Welcome to the Successful Male Podcast. My name is Ron Mahotra. I'm a wealth, success, mindset, and leadership coach and the founder of the Successful Male Movement. In the Successful Male Podcast, we bring inspiring achievers who will help you unlock your inner game changer that wants to play big. The Successful Male Podcast is a show where we highlight the accomplishments of men who are doing amazing things with their life. The show where we share the stories, ideas, and philosophies of highly successful men who went after their goals with courage. The show where we highlight those men who use their highest vision to bring value to others. And the show that seeks not only to motivate and inspire, but transform, so you too can think big, live bigger, and lead with your highest vision. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you find this episode inspirational. In, in Australia, we have what's called the tall poppy syndrome, which basically means that people don't like people that are very successful. There's almost this, uh, this sense of insecurity. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, life is not all about success. And a lot of people have a lot of negative connotations attached to the uh, capitalist system and, and financial success. Uh, a lot of people have subconscious beliefs that people that are wealthy are greedy and selfish. And I just think you're a fantastic role model because you do so much um, in terms of free value that you provide to people. Um, you know, I've got your book here, but I'm just, um, everything that I've learned so much, um, I thought I was doing well. And then, you know, I, I was starting to plateau in my life and then I came across what you were doing and it's just immediately inspired me and reignited my passion. So, um, you know, your story is going to be very, very valuable to a lot of these men who think that life is just about living comfortably and uh, a lot of them don't feel like they need to strive for anything and they don't have this accomplished orientation. And I think this is where I'm, I'm so glad that I'm having the opportunity to speak with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Sounds good. Good story. Uh, let's have fun, man. Lead the way. All right. So um, look, um, just, um, just wanted to, I'm going to start by saying that, uh, you know, the successful male is all about redefining successful men. And I think you're an, you're a holistic example of success. Uh, from uh, you know doing you know doing something that's purposeful, living an inspiring existence. You've got financial freedom. You've got business success. You're making an impact. You look good, and uh, and you're very young still, you know. So the first question always is, you know, how does somebody like you, who I don't think you've come from a privileged background, you know, you you have gone from uh, I know you served in the armed forces to where you are today. It's not a lot of time. You haven't. Most people become successful in their fifties and sixties. How do you, in your 30s, achieve this level of success? What, do you, what would you, if I said to you, Patrick, what are the main contributors to your life success and the way you think? What, what would you say? So extreme amount of pain um, and a high level of frustration of where I was at. Uh, it goes back to a few different events on what took place in my life. One was seeing my dad having a heart attack and I thought he was going to die and my kids were never going to meet him. And for me, I never met my grandpa from my dad's side. And I always feel like I would have liked to have spent some time with him because he could have told me a lot of history about Iran, Assyrians, and I don't have that part of my life. So um, I never forget that one night in the car. I'm in a Ford Focus. I went to visit my dad. He just had a heart attack and he had lost like 40 pounds and I couldn't recognize him. I was ticked off at all the nurses at the hospital. I went in the car. I cried like a little baby. I cursed myself out nonstop at how annoyed and disappointed I was with myself 
to the point where how can I, a 22-year-old human being, 20 to 23-year-old human being that's got all the abilities, I can read, I can walk, I can talk, I can see, I can smell, I can touch, I can, I can have all the senses. There's nothing. I have all my limbs. I have my hands. I have my arms. I have my legs. I have all these things, access to every single thing. I'm, I'm healthy. How am I not getting focused about my life? And how is it that my dad's at the hospital going through the financial difficulties going and is working at a 99-cent store? Let me tell you, that night, um, the next day I was not the same human being. I was not the same human being. I told myself, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to improve so fast. Uh, I'm going to get so good at this business, and I'm going to give it 10 years, and I'm not looking at any other business. That's exactly what I did. Um, work ethic-wise, obviously, when you're talking about Australia and some of the mindsets in Australia, buddy, it is not that different in America. The difference with America than Australia is the following. America, if they are the you know, example on the capitalistic system, you got to realize that there's a lot of enemies internally who hate people who make it into capitalism. Because one of the things you got to realize that is difficult to like about capitalism is the fact that capitalism exploits those who don't work hard and those who don't improve. I was speaking this past week in Dallas, and I asked a very interesting question that shocked everybody. I said, let me ask you guys a question. Raise your hand if you have a degree. We got 450 people in the audience. And surprisingly, 50% raised their hands that they had a degree. This was a solid group. I said, so all of you have a four-year degree? We have a four-year degree. I said, great. I said, now keep your hands up if you have read a business book in the last 30 days. Maybe five to 10 hands stay up. I said, can I ask you why? I said, why aren't you reading business books? Why are you not reading financial books? Why aren't you reading self-help books? Why are you not reading it? Did you think that four years you get a degree, that education was supposed to take care of your life financially for the rest of your life? That's kind of like me saying, um, I used to work out seven days a week when I was 16 years old and I did it for four years. I don't need to work out anymore. It's a continuous thing. And the great thing about capitalism is it exploits the people that don't want to do it and it upsets them, which is phenomenal. That is the beautiful thing. It upsets them. And then it makes the few that are not afraid to work hard and get clear about what they want in life and improve. It turns them into heroes. And I think that part is also well-deserved because Look, if you're running three businesses right now and you got the seven figures and you're doing what you're doing, you and I are the same age, uh, you got all those books behind you, you're reading all these books, you're developing yourself, uh, and you're in Australia, which I don't know the exact tax rate of Australia. I think it's 55, 57%. Well, it goes up to 49%, depending on how much money. The more you money you make, the more tax you pay. So it's progressive tax. So watch this here. You're about to be shocked. Yours goes to 49%. If you live in the state of California, it goes all the way up to 57.5% in America. So if you make a million dollars in America, you're keeping $425,000 if you're living in California, okay? And the same goes for New York. The same goes for Chicago, Illinois. They, the same goes for a few different states. So uh, that part is similar to where it's at right now. But going back to the question you asked me, the moment I realized the formula on what it is to go win big, and I knew uh, if it mattered to me, I was going to go get it done. I trusted the process that if I do my part, it's going to happen. I didn't have the problem or fear of making a sacrifice to go out there and win big. 
it was it was almost as if a level of certainty was there knowing this is going to work out and and you you mentioned the pain was the catalyst i mean patrick do you think that there is a problem in in general where uh, you know young men and we're talking particularly about men here do you think when they're too comfortable in life that maybe it just uh, it kind of kills off your ambition when you don't have enough pain um, do you think that, that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people settle in life? You know, I used to think that there was a certain way that if you get married, your marriage is going to work out. So, for instance, uh, you know, if you're a certain religion, they would say, if you marry a Christian and you're Christian, you know, you're supposed to marry a Christian and you're supposed to be a virgin before you get married and you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. All these supposed to's, right? So, okay. I saw people who were Christians. They were both virgins. They got married at 22. Five years later, they got a divorce. They hate each other, and they're not happy, okay? Then they would say, you know, hey, you never meet a wife at a nightclub, and when you meet her, if you guys have a one-night stand, you never marry that girl. I've seen people that have married somebody after one night stand. They're happily married for 35 years, okay? So then you see another example where it's like, well, you know, you – want to marry a girl that's, you know, dropped it, gorgeous, and you got to be dudes, and, and then they marry, and that doesn't work out. Well, you don't want to marry the prettiest girl, and you marry somebody that's extremely not pretty, and she ends up cheating, or he ends up, there's so many things, because life is filled with contradictions, and the moment we are able to accept contradictions in life, we will actually be able to keep our sanity. It's very interesting to say this, because most of us have a very hard time with contradictions. Let me explain why. As we go to school, and we take subjects such as chemistry, math, uh, physics, and these are driven by pure accuracy, the truth, the absolute truth. Two times two is four, four times four is 16, six times six is 36, 12 times 12 is you know 144. These are absolutes, these are not possibilities and what ifs. You know, the formula for benzene is very clear on what it's gonna be. The formula for you know water, H2O, that's clear. These are absolutes, these are not what ifs, right? Um, there are a lot of contradictions in life. You've got, to be com- you've got to be comfortable with ambiguity, basically. That's what you're you saying. You have to be. You've got to be. So going back to the kid points where you're talking about with some of these males and where they're at, this is my opinion. My opinion. My opinion is that the earlier you have a bad breakup, a girl crushing a man's heart early on is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I think it's, to me, it's a must. There is nothing greater than a man having their heart shattered early on. There's nothing like a man having a very big fall early on, a big humiliating situation early on, a big crisis early on, um, a big betrayal, backstabbing, a mother uh, betraying a kid, a father betraying. There's, There's something there. There's obviously the formula to when you put it together and you see something there that you see creates this desire to want to prove that I am worthy of the, the, the sperm that made it and I became who I am today. I am worthy of the trillions of people that were selected. I was a worthy, I, like we want to prove that we were worthy, right? And I think sometimes when you have it too easy, you don't really realize what your ability, what your capabilities are, what your capacity is, what your potential is. And it's unfortunate, but I'm going to tell you, the reason why I give you this whole contradiction thing is because even if somebody has gone through a pretty easy, safe life and a crisis happens to them now or a life-changing event happened to them now, or it could be the simplest thing as they watch a movie 
and the character reminds them of them and they are absolutely furious and that night they make a decision to drastically change themselves and their lives, there's still a possibility of something happening to them. Now, if we're talking ratio-wise, there's a higher likelihood of somebody doing something extremely big whose mother gave him up to adoption and that kid's name is Steve Jobs. Because he's like, how do you give me up for adoption? You didn't think I was worth it? You didn't think I was worth you keeping me? Watch what I'm gonna do to the world, right? So I think there is that crazy madness level of Alexander the Great and his father, that his father absolutely you know, treated him and belittled him and now here Alexander's got a mother that believes him the way he does and she's injecting this belief because she wants the, you know, her son to be bigger than the father and then he's got Aristotle that's teaching him all this stuff in his mind and that comes out. I think the bigger part like that, there's got to be a lot of crisis. But I think everybody else that falls into average and normal life that somebody, good mom, good dad, nothing crazy happened. It was pretty nice, some crisis, but nothing crazy. I think they can still figure out a way to tap into that emotion that produces the craziest results in their lives. But they, they got to really want that to happen for it to happen to them. And thank you for putting that in perspective. But here is, I've been, I've been observing you for the last couple of years. I see how you carry yourself. Um, you come across as a real pillar of strength. You're very consistent in what you do. You very strongly believe in what you do. And we know that uh, people always naturally follow people like yourself because you have so much belief and it comes across your energy is very, very powerful in a world of paradoxes and contradictions, as you just mentioned, how do you maintain such a strong belief in yourself? Because how have you got such a strong self-concept Patrick? Because you know, most men have such a wishy-washy concept and where they're drifting in life and circumstances get in the way and break them. How right. do you maintain your strength? That is such a great question. I think the answer is going to help a, a, a lot of, uh, some, hopefully some people out is, so, so I was sitting down with a guy the other day, and I've been trying to work on this guy to help him have a breakthrough for 12 years now, okay? And I've watched this guy so many times that finally in the middle of the meeting, I'm literally just sitting there, and I told myself, I don't know if this guy's going to change. And this is the most talented man I've ever met in my life. Now, hear me now. I've met a lot of different people. I've not met somebody this talented. And I said, I don't know if this guy's going to change or not. So I stopped giving advice. I was on shutdown. Let me explain why. Every single thing that I called him out on that I wanted to see this guy improve, it was either an excuse backed up by justification, backed up by deflection, which everything led to not wanting to take responsibilities for flaws because there is this desire to want to have a standard of I'm perfect, perfection, and someone like me, I can't be making mistakes. You see, the difference with me and where my confidence comes from, I am so okay being humiliated. I am so okay knowing I'm screwed up. I am so okay knowing my background, where I come from, my grades in school, who I was in high school, who I was in the army, who I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, after the army, a girl that broke my heart, a lawsuit that I got, the issues that I had. I'm so comfortable with that. I'm so comfortable with all those flaws that 
I'm okay making a mistake. And because I'm okay making a mistake, I don't need to come across as perfect to everybody who watches Valuetainment or follows Valuetainment or the people that I do business with. They know if I'm wrong, hey, dude, I screwed up. I messed up. I'm wrong. I'm comfortable with that. I think a lot of people are not, and they don't realize that confidence comes from being okay with you making mistakes, not the other way around. Sometimes people see confidence and they say, oh my gosh, this guy must 100% believe in himself and all this other stuff. No, I have insecurities. I have fears. I have issues that I question my abilities. There are areas of business where I know nothing about. There are certain positions that I'm in that I sit there and I say, that guy is much better than me in this area. I know nothing about the subject we're talking about today. I have no clue what's going on over here. I don't know how I'm going to handle that situation. Like today, I had a conversation with a CEO of a $40 billion company this morning. And this CEO of a $40 billion company, he and I, we had a conversation together. And they flew me out and we met with their entire board. And these are people that came in from all across the country. And we sit down and we had a conversation together. And it didn't go the way they didn't handle it properly. So he sent me an email and he called me out in an email and I responded back to him in the email. And I said, uh, this is a pretty strange email you just sent me. I said, I think if you want to clear this up, let's get on a call together. We get on a call together. I don't have a problem having a call with him and calling him out because I'm 100% certain on how we handled it with the other party involved. So I was okay explaining to him exactly what happened. Because I'm okay explaining to him exactly what happened, I get confidence from that. If I try to fabricate something that really didn't happen, my confidence goes lower. So, you know, it, it, transparency, accountability, responsibility, and lack of a desire to be perfect gives a lot of confidence to anybody. And that's where I get mine from. Yeah, and that's truly commendable because once people become successful, they have a lot more to lose in terms of reputation, money, success. And, you know, I'm sure you've got critics because you're doing so well in so many areas that there'd be people that'd be very jealous of your success. So they, I'm sure there's people out there that probably can't wait to see you screw up in something. And, and you saying that you're okay with, you have, no fear, of, you, you have no fear of losing. Let me tell you, I talk to my wife. Here's, here's how I talk to my wife. Uh, people ask me, hey, so how long do you think, you know, your marriage, how is it? I said, they said, you know, what's your secret to marriage and all this other stuff? I tell this to my wife all the time. I don't know if we'll be married 20 years from now. And I'm okay with that. Now, you know, the whole positive thinking and, you know, the church and the faith and the pressure. No, you can't say this guy. I don't know. I'm not God. I don't want to be God. I don't care to be God. I don't care to be the person that has all the answers. I think that's an issue. It's a flaw. It is a flaw that we think we have to be right. So when I talked to my wife, I said, our marriage could one day not work out. So what if it doesn't work out? I can tell you I'm going to do my part to make it work, and I'm probably going to make some mistakes as well. But I'm okay with that. I think too often we take the other approach. I love you, guaranteed, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and then we realize, you no, know, you are imperfect, you're gonna disappoint somebody. Then what's gonna happen when you disappoint somebody? It's the same thing with business. When I talk to my executives, and let's just say I'm in the wrong, and I do something that is not the right thing I did, hypothetically, I do it all the time. And I'll sit down and I'll say, let me tell you one thing here, I guarantee you, this will not be the last mistake I make with you. I plan on making many more mistakes with you, but there'll be new mistakes. 
there won't be old mistakes. What I want to see with you is, I don't want to see any old mistakes with you. I'm totally okay with you making new mistakes because I don't expect perfection from you. You know, we've had in our company a lot of people that have done a lot of wrong things, um, including myself as a leader. I made a wrong choice or wrong decision, but sometimes Field has done some things that's pretty bad. If it's not jeopardizing the company, I don't pass judgment on the people because I don't expect perfection. I don't think you get the best of people when you expect perfection from them. That includes kids, family, spouse, wife, friends. I just don't think you get the best of people. I think you need to have high standards and high expectations, including yourself, but not perfection. Perfection doesn't let you play loose. You play stiff. If you play stiff, I'm not dancing. I want you to dance. I want you to be loose. I don't want you to be rigid. I want the best of you. How do you play loose? That's the goal. Uh, and I love that analogy because you know what? I, I know exactly what you mean because I get to a certain level of success and then I can sense that there's a bit of fear kicking in about losing. Loss aversion kicks in at some point. And I think it's so paradoxical in how you balance between these. Because you, you obviously at some point, I saw your interview with um, your, your um, conversation with Grant Cardone, who's very big on being obsessed with success. And you talk a lot about entrepreneurship. You talk about financial success. You talk about capitalism. You talk about business success. You talk about striving, right? Now, Dr. D. Martini, John D. Martini says that, um, I mean, everything that you talk about would suggest that those are your values, success, accomplishment, business, those are your values. Now, Dr. John D. Martini says that our biggest voids become our biggest values. It's the thing that we perceive to be missing the most, that we value the most. But what's interesting about you and what you just said earlier is that you strive for everything, but you almost have this sense of detachment. Like you're not, you're not obsessed, attached with the outcome. You're obsessed with striving and being the best that you can be. But you're not, you're not so attached with the outcome, which actually gives you the freedom, doesn't it? And I think that's what, that's what I find fascinating about you is because you can tell that you're not attached to anything. You are, you just, you, you're experiencing life. But how does one find that balance? Because we do anchor ourselves. Once we've achieved success, we, we, it starts to create an identity for us. And we start to anchor ourselves to that success. How do you, is this a spiritual philosophy that you have? I mean, how do you detach yourself from all of the success that you've achieved and be okay with, with making mistakes? I like being free, man. I like being free. Listen, let me explain to you. Like we have, we have three kids. So people ask the question, like, let me get into the deep conversations that no one wants to talk about. What are you going to do if one of your kids is gay? What are you going to do if one of your you know, kids has sex too early and you're walking and you catch them having sex? Then what are you going to do? But these questions that no one wants to talk about, right? Like, you know, no, that'll never happen to me. That'll never happen to this. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to tell them, no, you can't be this. No. Man, I'm watching these kids to see who they are. From the moment we're born, we are who we are. Now, obviously, certain events in our lives influence the way we speak, our accent, our fears, our, you know, whatever, all this other stuff. And our parents are going to have some kind of influence in that. But you are you from the day you're born. The, you, you, the way you are as a human being, you've been like that from the day you're born, okay? So my kid, my daughter, we have the conversation. So what are you going to do, you know, if your kid goes to school and all this other stuff? How are you going to handle that with school? And what are you going to do about sex? And are you going to be okay if your daughter, how are you going to handle that part? Are you going to say that she has to save it? And because this, I process that with people openly. I process the whole gay thing with people openly. I process the marriage not working out openly. I process all these things openly. Here's why. Um, here's why. You see, I struggled with religions 
for a long time. I was an atheist for 25 uh, years of my life. And one year I was so furious. I went and studied Scientology, Christianity, Judaism, Seventh-day Adventists, a lot of Mormonism. I studied all these different religions. And I noticed a trend and I saw a certain uh, um, um, a similarity. There's typically the bigger the uh, religion, the bigger the martyr, the faster the growing, the bigger the martyr, and then none of them want you to kill, murder, promiscuity. They have to save people from sleeping with other people's wives because no one likes that and all these things and it hurts, so why don't we put it here? There is a very similar system there, right? Okay, great. Now, uh, there's a debate about is religion a good thing or a bad thing? Some will say it's a bad thing. Some people say it's a good thing. I think uh, uh, whether it's true or not, I'm not even arguing the truth part because that's a completely different conversation. I'm arguing about the benefits of having religion there. Is it beneficial, the fact that all religions somehow, some way to control a populace by putting certain fears into us where we're afraid to do the wrong thing because we will not go to this holy place or be reincarnated or whatever it is. Okay, do you know all of those, all of those statements made by a pastor, a father, a mother, an uncle, a powerful person that tells us this, it immobilizes us even more. And we become more and more afraid, right? And I watch what happens here. See, I don't want that. I never liked that. I got kicked out of Bible study when I was a kid because I don't want you to put that fear in me. I don't believe it. I don't want to believe it. I don't want my kids to believe it. I don't want my people here to believe it. I remember one time I was having a meeting with a group of CEOs, and I recommended to all these CEOs to have every single one of their employees, salespeople, everybody start reading books. And they got excited. They did it for 90 days. 90 days later, they came back and they complained, and they said, it's the worst advice you ever gave us. Why? Because everybody now, now believes they can be like us. And they're asking us the tough questions. They never asked us these types of questions. I said, do you realize you sound like Hitler right now? The less people know, the more I can control them. I don't want that. I want you to challenge me so I can improve, so we can improve. I want the best of you. I want you to be free. I want us to have a government where the people are thinking for themselves, not me thinking for you. Why would I want to think for you? If I think for you, that means the lifespan of this country is only going to be 40 years. I'm not that important. I'm going to die. The spirit of being able to think for yourself and be free, that spirit is invaluable and around the world. So, look, some days I don't feel like doing Valuetainment. I really don't. Some days I'm like, I'm done with Valuetainment. I'm not doing this anymore because I have family. Like today, I'm going to get home late to my wife, to my kids. My kids want to play. I'm not, I'm, I have a late night tonight. Okay. Last night late. Last week late. Last travel. I'm in L.A. this week. Next week I'm in New York. Then I'm going to... Madrid. Then I was in Vegas yesterday, two days ago. Then I'm going to Orlando. I'm always on the road. I got them. Okay, great. But you know why I do it? I do it because I do it because I know what it feels like to live in a life with imaginary handcuffs and shackles. And I want to do whatever I can through valuetainment to release those imaginary handcuffs and shackles so a person can fully enjoy themselves and their lives and go max this thing out before you die and it's game over that's what i want so when you ask a question like that which is a very very good question that's your third good question you've asked already in this interview an interview typically doesn't ask good questions um that's what i would say is the reason why i like that because i like to be free and i believe everybody likes to be free except most people don't know it because the educational system and our churches are not set up in a way to teach freedom. They're set up in a way to teach fear and control. And I'm not a fan of that. 
And you know, when you just say that, I just see you as one of the most spiritual people, whether you realize it or not, because I mean, you're exercising faith, you're following your purpose, you're helping people. I mean, that's what spirituality is about. And spirituality has typically nothing to do with religion. And it's really interesting that you say, because sometimes you're right, if religion puts fear into you, then you're kind of going against the whole spiritual principle. I, I love that. And thank you so much. And the, the whole reason I didn't, I wanted to go beyond your celebrity status. I wanted to know the person that you are, because to me, it's so fascinating to see somebody operating with so much freedom and full expression. And that's to me is the most inspiring part. And that's the part that I wanted the, the mentor model, as opposed to just your your financial material and business success. I wanted them to model this because I wanted them to know why you are the way you are. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that if you engage in the cause, you get the effect. And I can just see that you've engaged in all of these causes. You're well-read, you question everything, you've gone through pain, you know who you are. And it's so obvious that you know who you are and you live in full expression. And that's a wonderful thing to see because so many men out there, including myself, I was very lost for many, many years. And there's so much that we can, we can learn from you. Patrick, tell me, I mean, you talk so much about success. I mean, success is obviously one of your values. Why, why do you think there is so much, um, there's so much negative connotation attached to the word success? There is, a, there is a, a, a mediocrity syndrome that plays out everywhere we go now. You know, there, there is a resentment against success. What, what would you say to people like that? People that say, you know, uh, people like, you know, I've been accused of being egotistical, you know, and I say, well, I'm not egotistical. This is what comes to me. I see that me being successful allows me to make a difference and help others. But what would you say? Have you ever been labeled as egotistical because you, you are so successful? And how do you, how do you, what would you say to that? So, so let's, let's, let's look at the success part. If somebody, somebody has a problem with success, it's more about them than it is about me. That's, that's number one. Because to everybody, anytime somebody starts judging success, I ask them the question, and I do this with pretty much any debate I have with anybody. I'll ask them the question, like I was having a debate with somebody over the word love. Okay, that conversation ended within 10 seconds after I asked one question. And that one question was, define love. What is love to you? And his definition... <laughs> I was done. There's no need to have a conversation with you because to me, love means a whole different thing than meant to him. Now our debate is not necessarily a debate about love. Our debate is now the debate over definition. So if I'm having somebody that says something bad about success, my comeback to them is not, you're wrong, you have no clue, it's my life. It's define success to you. Great. Then we're simply reading out of a different dictionary. You, you know, there's different types of dictionaries. There's Webster Dictionary, there's Oxford, there's this, there's that. Your dictionary, John Doe's dictionary, success means this. That doesn't mean that to me, okay? To me, success means a whole different thing. It means alignment. Uh, if what I do and what I say, my belief system and what I do is congruent, I am happy. So if to somebody, success is coming home at, at 5 o'clock at night and watching TV with kids, and doing that, and they do that, they're happy, more power to them. But that's not my definition of success. I'm, I don't want that standard for me. It's a whole different thing. So then the egotistical part. On the egotistical part, um, you know, that's a whole different story because it's very easy. Like, for instance, capitalism, if you go and study Anne Rand and you study Atlas Shrugged and some of the books that she wrote and Fountainhead and all this other stuff, you know, she is a big advocate of um, selfishness not being a bad thing. 
okay, great, no problem. I get it, I understand a part of it, but I wish she would go a little bit more deeper into it. At least there would be more videos or some great debates with her in videos, because I think there's a part of the ego part that if you're winning and nobody else around you is winning, yes, ego's higher. If you're winning and the people around you are also winning, nobody can have an argument with that because you're bringing other people with you to win at the top. I remember one time I was having a conversation with a very successful Jewish man and he told me, he says, Patrick, do you know why Jewish people are so successful in business? I said, you know what? I'm really curious. Look what he says to me. He says, because in the Jewish community, when we make a lot of money, a lot of people make a lot of money. So we keep making a lot of people, a lot of money with a lot of people because people keep coming back because they keep making a lot of money with us. And he said, sometimes people only worry about them making money and a lot of other people around them don't make money. Then nobody wants to go into business with you. It's like you negotiate the most ridiculous deal, but you only made money. That person lost. Why would that person negotiate with you a second time? It's not a beneficial thing to do. So on the ego side, I think the way you define that is to figure out to see if you're also helping a lot of other people around you win as well. If you are, they can say whatever they want to say because there's 10, 20, 30, 40 other prophets that are going to go around, disciples that are going to go around saying, when you do business with this guy, you make money. And those guys are going to justify all the other criticism that people are going to say about you. I love, I love that you said that because it's been, uh, I've always said, who is more selfish, the person that is aiming big? or the person that's just making enough to support themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you've articulated that so well. Um, I want the, the, the men in my community to, to get, understand more about what you do. And, um, and I want them to understand, because I know you share so much valuable content. You share everything from entrepreneurship to success to mindset. Uh, I've actually um, got a few of the books that you recommended. Um, and um, I, um, how can people, I, I want people in our community to, to obviously go into Valuetainment, which is a fantastic source. What, uh, what else, how can they find you? How can they contact you? How can they learn more from you? So listen, they can, they can go to YouTube and follow Valuetainment. I mean, if you just go on YouTube and type in the word entrepreneur, we should be the first channel that pops, pops up. It's a red line that'll come up. Uh, you can go to find a ton of my content there. I respond back to Snapchat to questions that people send. Uh, we have a new segment that we're doing on Valuetainment now called PBT, PBD Real Talk. So if anyone's got any questions they want to ask on Twitter, I address those questions uh, on a YouTube video that goes out every single week. I think it goes out on Sunday. So you can find me pretty much anywhere under Patrick Bay David. If you search me, you'll find me on all the platforms. Patrick, thank you. And I don't know if you know that you've been inspiring me for a couple of years and, uh, you know, you're probably a mentor to millions of young men like me or well, not so young anymore. I mean, I'm in my late thirties, but, uh, um, if, uh, if I said to you, what is the one last piece of advice that you would share that would help our community? One, what is your, your best piece of advice that you've had or your guiding North star? What would it be? So this is, this is a men's podcast mainly only, right? Would you say this is, uh, this is men's mainly 95%? It is 95%. We have a lot of women. Okay. We welcome women. But yes, majority of, uh, yes. Well, if the women are smart, smart, they're listening here as well because they would want to know how screwed up we are. This would be a good way for them to find out about all our screw-ups. But I would, say, I would say a couple of things. You know, one of the things I would say 
uh, is I would say one thing, and then I'm going to make two book recommendations that's specifically to men. Okay. So one is, listen, at the end of the day, realize you're going to live with one person the rest of your life only. You're only going to live with one person the rest of your life. You're not going to be living with your wife the rest of your life, not your mom, not your dad, not your brother, not your sister, not your best friend, not your, you know, current girlfriend, not, only one person the rest of your life, and that's you, okay? So if you're going to spend time with, the, with yourself the rest of your life, spend more time studying your own trends, spend more time being self-aware of you, spend more time being aligned with your own belief system, ask yourself questions as if you're getting to know you, what matters to you, what values, principles will you give your life for, you know, what motivates you, what pisses you off, what makes you happy, what bothers you, what irks you, like really do that because you got to get to know yourself to enjoy this. The life is pretty hard. Life isn't, you know, life's going to throw a lot of weird curveballs at us that if you don't know how to hack it within this person, those problems just become bigger and bigger and bigger. If you learn how to handle this, the rest is going to be fairly easy. And the two books I would, I would recommend for your audience, one would be um, uh, uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. That would be the first book. No More Mr. Nice Guy. Every man in the world needs to read this book. No More Mr. Nice Guy. It will shock every man who reads this book. No More Mr. Nice Guy. I can't tell you how many people I've recommended that to. And the other one will be, the book is called The Way of Men. The Way of Men. That book is written by a gay Republican. It is a very controversial book. Um, it is a very strange book. It is a very weird book. And you're not going to agree with everything this guy says. I don't agree with everything this guy says in a book. But I'm going to tell you something here. You will never look at men the same way again after you read this book because he covers stuff that no one wants to talk about. And I'm going to tell you, when you read both of those books, you will recommend those books to a lot of other people, especially to your audience. So that'd be my last thoughts to your audience. Thank you so much. I'm amazed that uh, you didn't recommend business books. He recommended these books instead. Um, thank you so much. I, I, I want to say thank you for your generosity and your intelligence. You're obviously um, uh, you're a massive source of inspiration. And uh, thank you for continuing to share your light. That takes a lot of generosity. I know that you've got uh, an amazing depth of knowledge, a lot of substance and intelligence, but you share it. You constantly share it with people. I'm very honored to have you here. Thank you so much, Patrick. It was great to have you. You got it. Absolutely. 